Let's clap our hands unto the Lord one more time this morning. Oh, great are you, God. Great are you, God. Man. And you may be seated in the wonderful name of the Lord. Today I would like to take our attention to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17. You know, in life there are things that we, we love to hate and hate to love. Anyone ever feel that way about anything? Either one, right? We hate to love it, we love to hate it. I feel that way a little bit about the book of Jeremiah, about his life. You know, I, I preached a sermon uh, quite a while ago now, I guess, uh, called I Don't Want to Be Jeremiah. You know, it's a necessary book. It's in there. It's, it's important. But his life was so sad, so depressing, I don't want to be like him. And yet, invariably, of course, each and every one of us will take a turn at some time of life probably feeling a little bit like Jeremiah felt. Why do I say that? Well, Jeremiah was, was a prophet, a preacher to the children of Israel, and he had a word from the Lord. And God called him and said, I'm, I'm going to give you this word. I'm going to give you a message for the people. And what you've got to understand is the people, you're going to tell them what I told you, and they're not going to listen. But you have to tell them anyway. And you have to tell them again and again and again and again, and again. Anyone have a CD player? Still? You have, anyone have a CD that skips? And again, and again. And that was Jeremiah's life. He kept... A, now, he was a great orator, in my opinion, if, if, if you read through the book. He kept finding new ways to basically tell the same thing. And he's quite poetic, really, and, and dramatic, really. Uh, but... <laughs> the end result was the same. God told him, they're not going to listen to you, Jeremiah, but you've got to preach it anyway. And that's why he wrote those, those words that we often quote, and sometimes out of context, but for good cause, that his word was like a fire shut up in my bones. I didn't want to preach it anymore. I didn't want to say it anymore, but I had to let it out. I had to let the fire out. I had to let the flame and the release of energy, I had to let it out. Now, that has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today, but I just wanted to introduce, once again, Jeremiah to us. And from chapter 17, that's where we're going to go in, in the book of Jeremiah, I want to read here five or six verses, chapter 17, and beginning to read in verse 5 in the New King James Version, the Bible says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Now, that's wise. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Has anyone ever seen a program on nature and see salt flats anywhere? I think they have them in Bolivia and Utah, a few places around the world. And it's, it's, it's kind, of, kind of beautiful, but it is nothing 
It is nothing other than salt and flat. And, and it captures our, our attention, but in reality, what good is it for other than to sprinkle on some French fries, right? We all like salt, but, but a sea of salt, a, a land mass of salt, it's, you understand Jeremiah saying, you know, be, be like you living in a, in a place of salt where there's nothing, no water, no life, no, no anything. Verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. And verse number 9, if you are into memorizing verses, please memorize this verse. If you are into highlighting your Bible, highlight this verse. Do something through which you can remember Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, we may think of characters in books, movies, graphic novels, etc., as the bad guy as the wicked one, the evil one. But Jeremiah writes to us and says, the heart, in other words, your heart, everyone say, my heart, is desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Amen. And I know that was a little bit long for an introductory verse. But today I want to speak on these four letters. H-G-A-C. H-G-A-C. Would you bow your heads and help me pray one more time for the help of the Lord. Sweet Jesus, Lord, we need you today and I need your help and your anointing, your touch, Lord. I pray that you help me, O oh God, to be a blessing to your people, to your children, God, that we all could come to a better understanding of you, your character, your nature, O oh Lord, and the things you would have us to do for your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Everybody here have a smartphone? Anyone else have a stupid phone? Go ahead. Go ahead. Raise your hand if you've got a, a smartphone. You don't have to raise your phone up, but yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty common. I, I, met, I wonder if anyone remembers back before well, iPhone came out in 07 or 09, 07. I don't know if anyone remembers. I preached a sermon before it came out about it once I heard about it because I knew it would be such a big deal. And I fell short. I fell way short, I think, thinking back all those years to how much it has changed our life. But we've, we've got these things, and we just we do everything on them, you know. It's a, it's a social issue how much we stare at our phones, right? And so Apple and, and others, they've 
put little tricks in the phone or on your computer to help you make sure you don't look at it too much. We'll give you a report about how much you've looked at your phone this week, right? That's how much we look at it so that we got to look at it again to tell us how much we've looked at it. Right, Brother Harold? That's, that's the common sense of Silicon Valley, right? Right. <laughs> but they are amazing devices. You can create documents on it, create spreadsheets on it. You can watch video, play games. You can trade stocks. You can, you can even make a phone call. I mean, most of the time, anyway. You probably buried that app. But these things uh, run so much of our lives, con- control even, in a sense, so much of our lives. And one of the simple, very simple things about the phone uh, that has helped and maybe hurt our society is texting. Right? You remember those days when you had to call someone to tell them, one sentence, but you had to plan out an introduction, a greeting, a middle and an end, right? And you might, you might be caught up on the phone for 20 minutes just to say, you going to be there tonight? Or, you know, don't forget the Doritos. So it was great that we have this ability to, just in one sentence, accomplish a 5 to 20 minute conversation. That, that is pretty nice, isn't it? I didn't think I'd like that. Once I learned to really put it into my life, I'm like, you know, this is great. I don't have to talk to people. And that's too bad, isn't it? Because we ought to talk to people, amen? We ought to be personable with people. But hidden within the texting, you know, those geniuses out there in Silicon Valley, again, they they began to realize, you know, people misspell stuff all the time because the keys are small, you know, and they'll try to type real fast, and they just... They misspell things, so let's help them out because people are are in a hurry and they don't have time for the five to 20-minute conversation. Now they don't have time to actually look at the sentence they typed, even though it's only one sentence. So let's help them spell because, after all, they may be like Dan Marvin here and he's just not a good speller anyway. Enter autocorrect. How many people have been a terrible victim of autocorrect in texting? Shout amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Oh, man. Autocorrect can get you in trouble if you're not careful. But this ought to teach us something. Read what you wrote. Take a second and read it. You know, I had planned to actually preach about something completely different today. But I, I got up early this morning because I knew I'd need a little extra time to get everything together. And because Brother Aaron texted me last night, he's sick, he's not going to be here. So I'm like, well, I've got to make sure I have some songs and this, that, and the other. And so 7 in the morning, I'm walking on, in West Creek, taking a walk, and a little, get my, get my blood moving and get, get, get everything going. I'm like, I need this today. And I, I pull out my phone, and I text Brother Harold. I think I did voice text. I mean, if we, look at that. Yeah. Don't even have to type it. Just, boy, hey, Brother Harold, can you get us a song this morning? And he responds really quick. He's like, sure thing, whatever he said. And so I, I want to say thank you in my, my way, my personal way. And I type him, 
you the man. But being too lazy to spell Y-O-U, I type U, the letter U. You the man. Well, everybody here knows that the letter U is not a word. Enter autocorrect. And you know what I texted him? I the man. I the man. Which I felt so stupid because this is kind of how people joke with me about, you know, wanting too much attention anyway. Brother Chris, you remember the, the, the clappers that you guys got me with a few years back? Yeah, and you, oh, well, you were really good at that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not, if I'm not too careful, I make things too much about me, so people tease me. And I, I want that. I want to be open and honest. Say, hey, this, you know, keep me in check. Keep me humble. I'm the man. And so I, I noticed it, though, right? And so what do I type? You. The letter U, again, and I push send because I want him to understand. I'm not trying to praise myself in this moment. I'm trying to say thank you, Brother Harold. And what does it do? Autocorrect, I. <laughs> so four or five texts later, I finally got the message across. I'm trying to say thank you, Harold, for singing the song. And I think he got just kind of exhausted with the whole thing. He didn't even respond. I guess it took five minutes to do that anyway. Could have just called him. Well, anyhow, anyhow. Our hearts can want one thing, can intend one thing. But they are desperately wicked. We can have an intention. We can have in our mind one course. And we can very easily be deviated, diverged, <laughs> imploded. Why? Because our hearts are deceitful. Our hearts are deceitful above all things. They are desperately wicked. And we cannot trust ourselves. You cannot trust the typing you're putting into that little phone, even though you think you got it right and you pushed it the right way, how much more, if you can't trust autocorrect, if you can't trust that cell phone of yours, how much more is it true that you cannot trust your own heart if the scripture says it is deceitful above all things? It's not an autocorrect. It is a, an intentional Seemingly intentional, deliberate sabotage of what you think is good. Your heart will lead you astray. Now, it's probably quite obvious that when the Bible says heart here, it's not speaking of the organ that, that pumps blood and oxygen throughout our body. It is referring really to the mind, really to the area, the soul, that, that, that processes intent and processes what we're going to do next. We plot and plan out action. We plot and plan out uh, agendas. We, we, we scheme to accomplish certain things. And I know we've preached about it a whole lot in the last year or two, uh, about the agenda that is in the world, the transsexual, transgender agenda that is out there. And, and we are faced 
with what? This is who I am. I identify. Folks, if they could just understand, your heart, you cannot trust your own heart. If I could lay aside that topic for just a minute and, and, and say it this way. If you take vows to marry someone, the reason you take vows and have a ceremony and make it public is because next week, if it was just left up to you, you'd say, oh, I just have irreconcilable differences. I'm out of this. But because our hearts can't be trusted, we make a commitment, a public declaration. You are mine. I am yours. We are together in this life. The two are no longer apart, but they are one. We know that this happens, even with the public declaration, that uh, divorce is a huge, huge rampant problem in our culture even with the public declaration, even with that public commitment, how much more is it troublesome someone who says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a man, I'm a, I'm a woman. I'm a man trapped in a woman's body or vice versa or whatever version of that you want to, to, to come up with. Or, or, of course, my favorite, and I know it's comical to us, but it's a very serious issue. I'm not even human. I'm trans-species. I'm a horse, I'm a dog, I'm a dragon. I love that one because it's not even a real animal. It's a mythological creature. But when we divorce ourselves from reality so much, why is it absurd to say absurd things? Your heart, my friend, is deceitful above all things. It is desperately wicked. You don't even know yourself. Who, who can know it? Would be nice to have an autocorrect for our heart, wouldn't it? Would be nice to have that option. You know, autocorrect drives people crazy, so sometimes a phone or, a, or an app or whatever will have an option. Do you want to turn this off? Yeah, you keep messing me up. I want to mess myself up. But you know, it would be awful nice to have an autocorrect sometimes for life before we step out into an abyss of despair and really mess things up far more than we ever thought we could. Yes. If you're acquainted with the trades, you're reading my title slide today and you, say, you see HGAC. You might have been thinking, did he mean HVAC? Is he going to talk about HVAC? Is he going to talk about heating, ventilation, and air conditioning? Right, Brother Tolero? Is that what you thought? Maybe. I don't know. HVAC. No, I, I, I'm, I, I just did that because I don't want to, you know, spoil the surprise. What I'm here to talk to you about today is, an, is a Holy Ghost autocorrect. You know, that, that, that option is available in this life. Something that will point up a, a little red flag. Something that will pop up and say, are you sure you meant that? Something that will be an exclamation point. Or if you like these computer analogies, you remember the old paper clip that would come on the screen and say, hey, are you sure you meant this? Hey, we, we have uh, an advocate yes. with Jesus Christ. Yes. 
We have a helper. We have someone that will help us if we leave the option on. If we say, I'm not going to put him down. I'm not going to lay the Holy Ghost down. I'm not going to let the Lord. I'm not going to leave my Bible on the shelf. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to hold it close to my heart. I'm going to say, Lord, correct me when I'm wrong. Instruct me when I'm drifting away from you. Help my life. Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, beginning to read here in, in verse 1, just verses 1 and 2, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. You know, sin is the issue. Sin is the issue for all of us. Yeah, it's the issue for the trans species guy that we don't have anything seemingly in common with, can't relate to at all. And it's also the issue for the, the couple that doesn't realize they need to humble themselves and stay married because no one has done anything really wrong. They're just having life. And you got to talk it through and you got to communicate. And you got to love one another. And sin is the issue for the thief. And, and sin is the issue for the, the, the one who hasn't stayed faithful to the spouse. And sin is the issue for all of us. And as I teach... When I do 12-week Bible studies, one-on-one Bible studies, I, I drive home this point in the early lessons. God judges sin. You need to understand this, Christian. You need to understand this. The issue is sin because God judges sin every time. You are no exception. I am no exception. Our time is no exception. God judges sin. But we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. What a wonderful promise that if the issue is sin, I've got a way to take care of the sin. Wait, wait, back up, back up, preacher. What are you talking about? God judges sin. Adam and Eve sinned, right? Right? Right, they sinned. And they were judged. Adam, you will work and toil through the sweat of your brow. You'll bring forth fruit. I'm not going to provide it anymore. I curse the earth for your sake. Eve, you'll have great travail, great trouble in childbirth. Serpent, you will crawl upon the ground the rest of your life. You'll eat the dirt. Well, just a couple chapters later, Cain kills Abel. Right? Right? Right. Amen. What does God do? God judges Cain. Where's your brother Abel? Am I my brother's keeper? Oh, how we get cute with God. How we just get cute with God of why we aren't doing what we ought to be doing. And we are doing a lot we ought not to be doing. Am I talking to anyone right now? Am I talking to anyone who who could really benefit from a a Holy Ghost autocorrect for their life? Amen. And my my brother's keeper, fool, I know everything. I know you killed him. His blood's crying out to me from the ground. And God judged Cain and said, you'll be a a wanderer, a vagabond, you'll not have a place, you'll not have a home, you'll not have a people. 
And just a couple chapters later, the whole world is in sin. Each man sought to do his own will. And God said, I'm so sick of all of you. It repents me that I have made man. I'm going to destroy the whole thing and start again. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. His judgment is sure. His judgment, you can count on that it's coming. For each and every one of us. But we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, who can take care of our sins. He's the propitiation for our sins. And not ours only, but for the whole world. If they would just turn on that feature. If they would just turn on that function. If they would just bow to their knees and cry unto him, Lord, you are good. Lord, you are holy. I am undone. I am the sinner. Come and wash me clean. Make me clean. An advocate, an advocate. Not a word that you commonly see in the Bible. Not even a word we commonly use today, sometimes. But advocate here in the Greek. It's parakletos. You have an advocate. What does that mean? It's, it's one that comes alongside. You remember that I just said a few minutes ago, remember the paper clip back in the day that comes on the screen? Are you sure? One that just comes alongside. Just a little helper that comes in. One that gets summoned. Parakletos. It's nice to have a helper. But when you want to be alone, when you want to be alone and just do whatever you want to do and not be bothered by the facts, you like to turn that function off, don't you? I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't want to hear from anybody about it. This is what's going to happen. Click. Jesus is not a function and a feature for your life that you should treat like a light switch. Holy Ghost autocorrect is not a feature, not a function that you should haphazardly have in your house, in your heart. You need to invite Jesus into every corridor, into every avenue, into every cell of your very being and ask him, search me, Lord, whatever is imperfect, whatever is untoward, whatever is the issue in my life, fix it in me. Why? Because sin is something that God judges. And the scripture says, the wages of sin is death. Bible says in Romans chapter 12, a common, commonly quoted scripture, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You remember before I said, you know, the heart, the heart is desperately wicked, right? But I said it's not the organ, it's, it's the mind. We need to have our minds renewed. Renewed. How do you renew a mind? You know, this is ridiculous, but this is the way I think about it. It's like God opens up your, your skull, takes your brain, and, and washes it clean from all the junk. 
You know those old washboards we don't use anymore? Someone does, okay. Get this poor lady a washing machine. (laughs) She's, you know, I I think about it that way. I know that's ridiculous, but it's like what I need, right? I need God to take my brain and scrub it across a rough surface. And say, quit being stupid. Quit sinning. Quit thinking that way. And scrapes me uh, across those, those surfaces to to renew me, to make me clean. I know that's a, a silly a, a illustration, but that's just the way I think about it when I read that scripture. I need my mind renewed. I need it baptized again. I need it overwhelmed with the Spirit of God because of sin. But Paul writing here in Romans, he starts out by saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I beseech you. Do you think it's possible that the word beseech and the word advocate have anything in common? You wouldn't think so, would you? They don't sound alike. They don't seem to be in in the same sense. But would it surprise you that in the Greek, that word beseech is parakaleo? Now, that doesn't mean anything to you because you don't speak Greek. But if you'll remember a few minutes ago, I said advocate is parakletos. Parakletos and parakaleo. It is the root word right there. Parakletos is found in that word parakaleo. It's just a different tense. What is parakletos again? Summoned, one that comes alongside, called, a pleader, a defender, a helper, one who aids. Parakaleo is to summon, to call to one side, to entreat. Now, if you didn't like my little illustration that uh, washed a brain across a washboard, perhaps this can make more sense. I need a volunteer that wants to get hit. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to hit you. Oh, my goodness. Why are my kids the ones that are eager here? Eager. You know what? I see little Dalton's hand up in the back. And Dalton, I'm going I'm to have you come and help me. Come on, buddy. Come on. Come on, buddy. All right. Now, now don't, it's good to have you today. Nice to see you. Now, Now, I'm going to treat you like a sheep, okay? You don't have to do anything outlandish. You don't have to do anything crazy. But you know how a shepherd takes care of its sheep when it's walking astray? Now, okay, start walking that way. I'm the shepherd. I don't want him to go that way, right? So I take my crook and I say, oh, no, 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 no. And I goad him. I poke him with my, my, well, my microphone holder. My, my stick, my staff, my, and I say, go this way. And I say, oh, no, 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 I want you to go that way. No, go, go that way. I beseech you. I entreat you. Oh, that's too far. You just stop right there. And, you know, this can be very, very frustrating for, for a shepherd if he's got stubborn sheep. Or as Bishop for years gave us a great illustration. We're almost done, but I need you up here a little longer, okay? Bishop always gave us this simple but very profound illustration of cows, that cows will, will roam and eat grass, And if there's a fence, even if there's plenty of grass here, 
they get their heads and horns and whatever locked in that, that fence and, and tear it up to where they can go and eat grass on the other side. And thus we have the statement, grass is greener on the other side, even though it's not. And so you got a shepherd out there, whack, 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 start, start, start. And that's Paul. He says, I beseech you, I'm going to treat you like a cue ball. Bang! Stay in line. Do what's right. Why? Because Paul is the, the bishop. Paul is the pastor. Paul is the shepherd. So what is the difference between parakletos and parakaleo? Well, folks, here is the difference. When you get your brain renewed, your mind all washed up and cleaned, you have an advocate, right? Parakletos. One who comes alongside. And when, when you're going the wrong direction, come here, Dalton. When you're going the wrong direction, come here, Maximus. When you don't realize it, you don't realize you're going the wrong direction, but you just, you start walking that way. All of a sudden, Jesus comes and blocks the way. You never even had to ask him. He just comes alongside. It's that autocorrect function. It's not the pastor banging you over the head saying, stop, 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 stop. Come to church. Give your time. Pray for somebody. Witness to somebody. It's because Jesus loves you and because you love him. Thank you, boys. Won't you have a seat? Why don't you give them a hand, everybody? It's the autocorrect feature, the autocorrect function to have a renewed mind, but you don't need someone constantly poking you and prodding you to do the right thing, to submit your life to God. It's the autocorrect feature because you've got the Holy Ghost deep within you. We have a sin issue. I said we have a sin issue. I write unto you that you sin not. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate. We have one that will come alongside. The heart is desperately wicked. See, that's why in the Old Testament and the New Testament, right, he says you must love the Lord with all your heart. You can, if you can love your spouse with all your heart and still do them wrong, can you not do that to Jesus? Can you not do that to the Lord? You can love the Lord with all your heart and still be going in a direction you shouldn't. But because you love the Lord with all your heart, because he's the one that looks at the heart, he's the one that can judge the heart, he steps right in. He says, oh, no, not today. 
No, my friend, you're going to go around this way. I'm going to intercede for you. I'm going to intervene in this situation. I know you think you're headed down the right path, but no, you got you to turn around here. you got to just a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. It's just not my will to lose you. Just as my word said, I'll leave the 99. I'll come searching for you. Because I know your heart. Your heart is towards me. You want me to intervene. You want me to be the one who comes alongside. Can I just say it one more time? Don't, don't turn this feature off in your life, young people. Don't, don't, don't think that you can hide from God all week long and, and show up on Sunday and think that everything's okay. It's not okay. He needs you to be a light in your school. Now, I, I just picked on the kids a little bit. Can I, can I tell the adults? God needs you adults to be a light shining at work. Not, not someone who turns his features off, turns the Holy Ghost off on Monday through Friday or Saturday, and then, oh, here's Sunday, let's have church. You will be so wore out from the world, you'll not have any desire to be in the house of God. You'll be so strung out on people's issues and your issues and problems and the sin which does so easily beset us. You'll have no desire to come to the house of God. You'll have no desire to sing. You'll have no desire to praise and worship. You'll have no desire to pray for yourself or for anyone else. And church, we need people that are still willing to pray for someone else who is discouraged, who is drifting, and who needs one to be summoned, to come alongside of, to be a helper, to be an aid. We need to be serious about our commitment to the Lord. Oh, isn't what that what the, the pastor does? Isn't that what the preacher does and the teachers and the song? Aren't they the ones that are committed? Please don't think that way. Please don't be foolish that way. He has called each and every one of us out of darkness and put each and every one of us into marvelous light. Sin is not an issue just for one. It is an issue for all. But we have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father through Jesus Christ, the righteous. He himself is the propitiation. What a word, propitiate. Well, you never use that in modern, modern language. He's the the penalty for he's he eases he satisfies the penalty god judges sin right the propitiation eases that penalty pays the price for it and says i see you did this and did that and you said that and said this and you you deceived this one you manipulated that one oh but i see your heart you left that that feature on where his blood can wash you white as snow Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be like scarlet, though they be uh, like crimson, I'm going to wash them. They'll be like wool. They'll be white as snow. I'll make you new. Again. I'll renew your mind. Or in the, the book of Deaton, he'll take your brain out and wash it over an old washboard until you think different and act different. And you become all that you can be for the Lord. Won't you stand to your feet as we come to a close today? Or raise your hands towards heaven. Speak to the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Come on, speak to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you so glad? You know, so many times that I've been um, headed in my thinking that it was the propitiation or the advocate is the lawyer who comes to my defense and sits beside me. I am so glad that I not only have the lawyer that stands beside me, but also walks with me and said, wait, wait, change your direction. As pastor said, change your direction. No, let's change. Got to be careful. You know, I'm so glad that, that God gave that to me by giving his life, by dying on the cross, by raise, raising himself up again. He gave that to me that I can call on him and say, Lord, where am I? Lord, where am I? Help. Can we pray just one last time? Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for all that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for being our advocate, Lord, for leading us. I pray, Lord, now that you'd, Lord, lead me. Lord, show me, Lord Jesus, where I am not, not correct, where I'm not walking straight. Lord, move me, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Lord, be with us this week, Lord. I ask you, Lord, to be my advocate this week. Lord, that you go with me this week. Lord, that I may do your will. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.